Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is your favorite podcast, Jamar Contreras, with your favorite podcast, Making the Cut. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Sports Sunday. I got a fun show for you today. But before we get started, as always, you know where to find me. My my link is going to be on my Facebook. And of course, you can find me anywhere that you get your podcast, especially on Anchor. And you can do Anchor on the app or you can go to anchor.fm online. And of course, you can always do Spotify. That's the one I'm always going to tell you about, of course. You can click there. You could fo- uh, click follow there, and it's going to let you know my next episode is up for you. I don't even have to tell you and remind you. It'll, it'll remind you for it. So, jumping off into this week. Yes, I know. Look, I, I'll, I'll talk about it in just a moment. I know it was a... Uh, everybody's really just trying to get over the Saints loss. We're not looking at good. Well, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we get there, uh, it, you know, I'll talk about some stuff along with that, too, about fans and etc. Uh, we'll go We'll go there as well today. Uh, but before we get there, you know, I, the weekend started with college football, so why can't you start with college football? So that's gonna, what I'm going to do. We'll get into LSU in just a moment, um, it, but I want to get into the top 25. You know, I've been mocking the polls here lately, and uh, and, and rightfully so, but I, I do want to talk about it because sometimes it's just fun to have pandemonium. You know, sometimes this soap opera that we have, which is college football and the FBS, it's that soap opera that just gives us so much joy. Like we love to see what's going to happen next. We love to see uh, the big teams falling. Those that got pushed up to the top, uh, you know, like I've said the last couple of weeks, where you know they don't really deserve it, but it, but it is what it is. They're there. They have the numbers next to their, next to their, their, uh, their team name. Their, or their, you know, th- their team. And, uh, and and it's not really warranted a lot of times. And a lot of those who are uh, AKA coach couches can see that already because we watch enough football and watch enough uh, throughout our lives. And some of us have been watching it for a long time, but I, I always love when college football kind of gets turned upside down because of the rankings, but, and it really just draws more viewership in and, it, and it's huge. It's a great, in some senses, it's a great way for advertising, right? You, you know, you're, you get your media out there and, you're going to want to watch because, uh-oh, somebody's on upset alert. Or, uh-oh, they got upset. They were overranked, right? And if you watch college game day, like I do, I love me some college game day. You watch this week, and there were some games that, that you know, some of the people were trying to build up. And I even told my brother, I was like, man, they're just really trying to build that game up because there's no reason why somebody should be on upset alert for the, for those games. And uh, some of them were true. I mean, some of those guys, I mean, you know, there are times when college game day is completely off, you know, just like all of us. Uh, and there are times when they know their stuff. They just absolutely know their stuff. Or, and sometimes they say, I just know my gut feeling. I'm going with my gut feeling. That's how a lot of us go to. Or a lot of us go with, we've been watching it. And so we're just, we're paying attention. Um, but, you know, some, some of these games weren't picked, but they did. They were picked as, as close games. Uh, but the top 25 taking some tumbles there, taking some close calls. It's kind of laughable because of what I've talked about the last couple weeks. But also, and I don't want to say vindicating in a sense, but hey, because if you've been watching college football for any amount of time, you, you know it's been that way forever. It's always been that way. So it's not it's not something new, right? Um, <laughs> but I do want to talk about these teams that got upset. And I may pick on a couple of them. Who knows? Oh, you can't do that. Yes, I can. It's it's sports, man. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Hey, look, I, I got a good friend who's, uh, uh, air quotes, a Falcons fan. And every time I get a chance to, I say 28-3 or, or, or I say that, you know, he's uh, on the outside of the 283 true 
uh, fans of the Falcons. And he, he dogs me every time the Saints lose or the Saints do something bad. So it's all good. It's part of being a fan, right? It's part of it. It's not all of it. Don't get me wrong. There's no belligerent nonsense, right? So let's let's talk about it. Let's jump off into it. The top 25 upsets. And I know some of you have already seen this, but man, look. How many of you were really expecting Kansas State to upset Oklahoma? Now, I don't I don't know if you notice it, but Kansas State just lost to Tulane. <laughs> that says a lot. That says a lot. So, Oklahoma, the big name and that's still in the Big 12, and of course, you know, they're trying to buy them, build them up to come to the SEC and make them a lot better than what they are, right? Loses to Kansas State, who lost to Tulane, which is kind of kind of funny. But, yeah, hey, much props to Tulane, even though they lost to Southern Miss this week, a game that they really, really needed to win, but it is what it is. Uh, but Oklahoma losing. That's something that's kind of laughable to Kansas State. Kansas State is, I will give them this, Kansas State is one of those teams that's been a thorn in the side for Oklahoma for probably five, five ten years or so. Uh, and at one point, they were a really good team fight, fighting for uh, an opportunity to be in the national championship. Uh, when, when you had some great, you had some great players come out of there too. But the, the recruiting there is not like what you get at Oklahoma. It's just not, right? And Oklahoma might get better recruiting when it comes to SEC than what they even get now. I don't know, but I think that's that's to be determined. That's for sure. Moving on to another one. Now Miami, uh, that you know Texas A&M beat Miami last week, and it was uh, it was a little bit more of a praise of A&M turned the ship. They write the ship the right way, right? Uh, but I'd mentioned to you that they struggled the week before against Southern Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Miami did not look good against Southern Miss. Actually, Southern Miss looked really good. And at one point, I think it was close to halftime or right before halftime, Southern Miss was winning that game. Uh, and so it, they, they kind of boisted them a little bit better, uh, a little bit more to make them seem like that win for at A&M over them was great. But then they got housed yesterday by Middle Tennessee State. Not Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State. Not Memphis, Middle Tennessee State. And they got housed, man. Like, the score didn't really show how bad it was, but they really got housed. It's kind of, it was kind of funny. So, uh, you know, let's, I'll get back to the A&M thing in just a moment, too. But, uh, y- y- you know, they really tried to sell that to make it look like A&M was a lot better than what they were by beating Miami, who they said was a lot better than what they were, too. So, moving on to another one. Texas is back. Texas is back. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, no. I know that uh, they played in a game that was uncaring. It just was not like Alabama football when they played Alabama, right? And they had a, they lost by one point. And I know that they don't have a quarterback because he's injured, etc. But they lost to Texas Tech. They are not back. They're not back. They they look like they're building something there. I'll give them that. They look better than what they have uh, for the most part, somewhat compared to since the last time that they were great, which was when Matt Brown was there um, fighting for and winning national titles. So, but Texas is not back yet. Go ahead and just, yeah, for those of you who are not old enough, to go ahead and prepare yourself. Like I said before, you think Alabama fans are annoying. You think Florida fans are annoying, uh, which they are. Don't get me wrong. The LSU fans are annoying to, uh, to other fan bases as well. I mean, Auburn calls us says we smell like corn dogs, which I really don't get that because I love the smell of corn dogs, especially when you go into a carnivore or a fair or something. It's it's like <laughs> now I'm hungry. It's good. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same smell as funnel cakes, right? It just is what it is. Anyway, but 
saying all that to say, Texas is not back. Okay, they're, they're, they'll get there, right? But the two teams that are moving to the SEC next year or the year next, uh, I can't remember, you know, and I don't really care because I don't really care for them to come. Y'all, y'all know my stance on that. I, I, I didn't really want Texas and Oklahoma to come to the SEC. I was okay with Oklahoma a little bit, maybe take Oklahoma State or something like that, but I was not big on Texas at all. And, and you can go all the way back and listen to a, uh, my, my episode way back then when that when that happened and it's you can scroll through spotify and find it and you can you can get my 10 minute take on that as well it's absolutely kind of hilarious when you hear me uh, go off i kind of sound like screaming a uh, smith so enjoy it uh and then the other one which was air quotes a uh upset a&m upset arkansas and if you watch this game it's played in jerry world and uh, arkansas has a chance to win a game they kick the ball and it gets off the top of the upright like Lands on top of the upright and then bounces back, and so they lose the game. But they had the game one. Uh, and the reason why I say air quotes uh, upset is because you heard me talk last week. Is Arkansas really a team that deserves to be in the top ten? And I'm not sure that they were. And uh, losing to a team, and me personally, from watching, losing to a team uh, like A&M that to me did not deserve to be in the top 25. They definitely didn't deserve to be ranked number six in the preseason rankings. Uh, and, and you can see that by the way the field while they're playing on the field they struggled in that game yesterday too uh, you can see why uh, I, I have air quotes there of, of you know upset uh, so I'm gonna leave that alone I'm not gonna jump on Jimbo a whole lot although I will tell you his voice man I I, I had a I had a thought I might bring it back in a minute at the end of the episode I don't I, you know I hound him a lot so I'm, I, I might let it go but you did have a couple of close calls uh, Listen, one of the biggest close calls, uh, Clemson always has a close call every single year with another ACC team. Uh, at least this time, it was a ranked Wake Forest team that really should have won the game. Uh, DJ uh, Ungalele really finally played to his five-star status and what everybody was hoping that he would be like. Uh, he definitely is not a Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he, he, is more, he, has, he has been more of a Cam Newton in New England type quarterback and it's 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 looked it's really looked uh well kind of like lsu's offense does is until the last drive before halftime honestly if we're if we're telling the truth or the saints offense on sundays till the fourth quarter it's kind of what it's looked like and i was kind of pulling for wake forest not just because of my displeasure for clemson but you know i always want to pull for the underdogs and for wake forest to be able to have an opportunity to take that conference and and because they were good last year uh, and, and so, it, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm going to pull for the underdogs unless they're coming against LSU. It just is what it is. Michigan and Maryland. Now, the final score doesn't really legitimately show how close that game was. But I did get to watch a good bit of that game because while that game was on, it was it was probably the best game at the time. When I say that best game, it was the closest game. It was the best to watch and kind of watch going back and forth, especially since I didn't have a dog, uh, you know, a dog in a fight there. So, uh, but that ended up, I mean, Maryland at I think at halftime was leading Michigan. I, I, I could be wrong on that, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Uh, and, uh, I mean, they were giving Michigan everything that they could handle, that number five-ranked Michigan team or number four-ranked Michigan team. Uh, and Michigan struggled mightily against them. And then they finally came back and got, got the lead, and towards the end of the game kind of pulled away a little bit. But that was another close call. That's I mean, that makes college football fun, right? Right? Because you got all these teams. Kentucky and Northern Illinois. Now, 
there was really no and it, this one is just because of the score see how close the score was and everybody really wanted Kentucky just to beat up on Northern Illinois uh, similar to what you're expecting LSU to beat up on New Mexico yesterday right 38 nothing you, you were expecting that uh, that's what everybody was hoping for but that's just not how Kentucky plays football but if you did get to watch some of the game or some of the highlights or all of the game you got to see their quarterback Will Levis really move his name up the draft boards because uh, if you're moving the ball like that with a run first team don't get me wrong I know the running game hasn't been the same this year as it, been, it has been in the past and really move the ball around uh, making uh, pro throws down the field it was impressive and I know the score doesn't really show it and the score makes it look like it's a close to an upset but there was really never any question that Kentucky was going to win this game and they really had control you could tell that they were doing other things to to try to work on for for bigger bigger games so but there was another one and listen college game day did a really good job of building this one up and this is one where I was like yeah really like I don't I don't I mean because of the way that USC has played so far uh, Lincoln Riley there uh, and all of the recruits he brought over with him from the transfer portal and etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know all the hype about maybe that they're the the, the Pac-12's uh, great hope now uh, their last resorting hope and, and they still may be uh, but when you look at it and you're like man there's there, there's no way but and, and of course after you know hindsight's always 2020 after you see the closeness of this game against Oregon State uh, you can sit, go back and look, well, you know what? They really hadn't played anybody. Yes, they housed everybody, and they looked awesome offensively, but they hadn't played anybody uh, that's really given them a challenge. And that doesn't mean that they're like a 2019 LSU team that where nobody's going to give them a challenge except for one or two teams. It means that the, the teams that they played were kind of like LSU playing New Mexico yesterday or Ohio State playing Toledo, etc. So uh, when you go back and look at their schedule, you can see that for yourself as well. But college game day really did a good job of building this up and i was just kind of like this is one of the ones i was telling my brothers like i don't know why they're building this up i do understand you had those times where oregon state has uh, upset usc when they shouldn't have and i do understand that oregon state has kind of turned a corner and become a pretty decent team the last couple years last few years honestly uh when new coaching is there etc uh, but I just wasn't expecting it. And for that game to come down to the wire and for USC to win 17 to 14, that tells a lot. And so I give it up to Herbie and, and the crew there. Man, they, they knew what they were talking about with this game. That was that was a uh, that was a that was a frustrating game to watch in a sense because you're expecting more on college football to be more action, etc. But I will tell you this: it was not as boring and as frustrating as watching Auburn and Mizzou. My gosh, man! If you happen to watch that game, I don't have. If LSU plays miserable uh, or somehow miraculously loses to Auburn next week, let me tell you this. It's because of the mystique of Jordan Air, or it's because LSU just literally beat themselves. Because when you watch the team, man, offensively they can't do anything, bro. They just can't. And, and I, 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 it's, it doesn't matter who they bring in a quarterback. You know, TJ Finley's hurt. Kazada's hurt. Uh the number nine, I can't even think his name, Rodney or something like that. He he got hurt at one point. Come back in the game. They had a true freshman come in for a little while. It, they, it, it, but regardless who they bring in, they just look. I mean, this was a game that their coach had to win or he was going to be out. Let's be honest. And uh, and actually, there was talks of that. So, I, I mean, but when you watch it, Auburn jumps up fourteen nothing lead, and then they give up the lead a little bit later. And it's fourteen fourteen, and it stays that way forever. 
And it's just sloppy, sloppy, boring, frustrating football. Not that I have a dog in this race whatsoever. I really don't care because they're both SEC teams. Yes, I favor Auburn a little bit more than I do Mizzou because Mizzou is one of his newer teams. And I just, I don't really completely like them a whole lot. Uh, But still, it was just sloppy. You would have thought they were playing in the rain and the snow. Sloppy, sloppy football. And so it wasn't fun to watch. It was frustrating to watch, I'll tell you that. So, real quick about LSU. I'll say this about LSU. I'm going to talk about the quarterbacks real quick, and I'm going to talk about the defense. Uh, Actually, I'll talk about the defense really quickly. They shut out New Mexico. uh, You know, shut them out, didn't let them score. But they also, this is an important stat. They only gave up, LSU's defense only gave up two first downs the whole game. That is extremely impressive. I don't care that it was New Mexico, because New Mexico is actually a decent team in their conference. I, I don't care that it was against them. If you're giving up only two first downs, I think you gave up more first downs to Southern. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure you gave up more first downs to Southern, who you absolutely annihilated. Uh, so the defense, I said it once or twice before, the defense really, once they turn the corner after the Florida State game, seems like a championship-caliber defense. Man, they just look good. There hasn't been a whole lot of mistakes. Every, you know, You're always going to have mistakes. You're always going to have blown coverages. You're going to have uh, miss, missing assignments, missing gap assignments. Uh, it, it is what it is. But with them, they have absolutely looked amazing. And they looked amazing as a whole, not just like one or two players. You, you know, so it, it's, it's been fun to watch. Uh, now, offensively, you know, I've, I've said it. Uh, offensively, it's felt like the Les Miles, Jordan Jefferson era where it's just so frustrating. Like, we're not moving the ball. You have all this talent and we're just not moving the ball. Uh, and then you finally score like when you have to uh, or, or come behind, which is a dangerous way to play football. We learned that so many times with Miles. We learned that so many times even this year. That's just a dangerous way to play football, to to not just to be play frustratingly slow and I don't want to say slow, but just not moving the ball whatsoever. And so you, you heard my critiquing of uh, Jaden Daniels about him not paying attention to the, to the receivers, not going through his progressions. Let me tell you this one. This is the best he's played since he's been at LSU. Yes, his completion percentage was 86%. Yes, again, you know how he gets that high completion percentage. Same way he got it last week. But I will tell you this. He did stand in the pocket a little bit more, and this is a team that you absolutely had to work on that with. This is the same thing as like working uh, against the second string or the first string defense in practice. You needed to be able to take this time to be able to go through your progressions and let your athletes, your receivers, go do something. And they did great. He did great. Uh, m- the majority of the time, he did a lot better, even without Booty there. And, and the receivers shine. It, it looked great. And you have so many weapons, man. You may have the most talented and possibly the best receiving crew in all of college football. When you go down the line and you look how many you got, look at these guys. They could All these guys would be starters and be the number one guy in almost every college football team, even Alabama, honestly. That that's not that's not you know blowing smoke. That's legitimately and truth. That's just honestly what it is. Listen, some of these other teams would want some of these guys. That's how good they are. Uh, the other quarterback. Now, Jaden Daniels did run a few times. He only ran the ball nine times, but the the ninth time that he ran it, he got injured. Uh, and when he got injured, he hit his head on the ground, and then he had to come out of the game. And he just didn't really come back in. But they brought in Nussmeier, and I tell you this. Uh, a lot of people were vying for Nussmeier. Myself was one. Uh, earlier in the season when Jaden Daniels, you know, wasn't going through progressions and was just tucking and running. Uh, 
And then when we saw Nuss play against uh, Southern, I mean, he was a gunslinger. I gave him that. It's like he he wasn't there was he was going through his progressions and he was going to fit the ball in etc. And and it wasn't his greatest game. But yesterday, he balled out. He absolutely balled out. He looked great. And uh, I, I mean, no interceptions. I think one touchdown, 100 something yards. Uh, his completion percentage was up there too, so it was great. So even if he doesn't play a, a, a legitimate down, that doesn't mean that he can't come in and hand the ball off like Walker Howard did, etc. In a blowout or whatever. Uh, even if he doesn't play any real time this year, it gives hope that's like, okay, that's what we're hoping for. I know it was against New Mexico, but as you saw against Southern, it doesn't really matter who the competition is if you're not playing the position correctly and you're just pushing, you're pressing too hard, right? Uh, and so he looked great. I, I gave him, you know, gave him all the, the applause in the world. He looked great as well, too. So it's great hope for going in the future, even if Jaden Daniels plays all of this year and Nuss doesn't play. So doesn't play at all. So, that's huge. Saints game. Let me say this, man. And I'm only going to say this a little bit on there. And then I'll I'll give you my quote that I was going to say. Give you my little pep talk. Uh, Saints. Man, that game. It was frustrating. It it really was frustrating. And I understand. There are some people that that can't hold their emotions, etc. And and sometimes we are all like that. Uh, But, man. it's, It's looked exactly like I said. The last, you know, two two weeks, two games, I, I've said the exact same thing. The offense has looked uh, just like I'm saying about LSU. Uh, we don't move the ball offensively. The defense is playing well enough to be considered a championship caliber defense. Um, the offense is not moving the ball uh, enough earlier on in games to where we're either playing behind or we're playing catch up. Or like at Tampa, you only put up three points until they got up to ten points, and then we started throwing pick sixes and. Interceptions left and right, and I know the offensive line is not the best that we've ever had. But let me tell you this: it's not our worst either. Let me tell you, they have done a decent job. Uh, it really comes down to quarterback play, and and I'm not trying to dog Jameis because I really want whoever's a quarterback for us to succeed because it's our team, right? It's my team. It's a team I support. Uh, but man, you got to be able to. It, it, I can't stand on the bandwagon. Air quotes here shouting from the rooftops of how great we are when it's obvious there's a situation there. And uh, I had a conversation with a couple of people today. One of them was, uh, you know, after somebody else made a comment, uh, they was like, yeah, but, you know, with those four broken vertebrae in his back, I mean, I'm not saying that that's blaming at all, but it, it, I'm sure it doesn't help. Like, well, yeah, that's that's very possibly true in, in two fronts. Number one, if it is hindering the team and if, it, if there is a possibility for it to create greater injury for him, then that goes on the coaching staff and the training staff to say, no, he can't play. He shouldn't be playing, right? It's a hindrance to the team from winning number one, and it's also a hindrance to his health and his longevity of his livelihood. So that's one aspect of it. But then the other aspect that I laid out there for him was very simply this. You know, it's it's the four broken vertebrae now. When it was in Tampa, after the fact, it was, oh, his eyes were bad. He needed LASIK. Let, let, let me break this down for you. Sometimes it's just the player. It could be the scheme. It could be whatever. But sometimes it's just the player. And, it, and it is, as much as you want them to be great, it's just them. It, it is what it is. It, and let, let, me, let me break this down for you like I was fixing to a moment ago. Go back to 2019, 2020, I'm sorry. 
2020 and you look, actually go back to 2019 and look at the Tampa Bay Bucks with Jameis there. And yes, I know we try to skew the stats to make him look better on, on some of them. Yes, it was his greatest statistic season ever with throwing over 5,000 yards. And I've broken it down to you before, right? But let me break this part down for you. You look at that Tampa Bay team, right? Great defense, all the same players still there, right? Uh, and you have all those receivers, all the same offensive line, pretty much, and, and tight ends, etc. You take Jameis away with a losing record. I think they had like five wins. It could have been four wins. They were just bad. They were bad with Jameis there. And, 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 and most of those yards and touchdowns were coming because just like the last two, three games that we've seen was where we're playing from behind. So you got to throw the ball a whole lot. The coaching staff wasn't trusting him, right? It's just and understandably so in some senses, right? But you in, you take away Jameis, you insert Tom Brady. Yes, I know Tom Brady is considered a goat to most, but you put him in there with basically the exact same team, and they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl that year. Now you could you could argue, well, they brought in Leonard Fournette, they brought in other people. Let me break those down: the people that that they brought in that uh, quote unquote made them so good that year, right? Uh, Leonard Fournette wasn't good until the playoffs. Matter of fact, he was almost cut. God's honest truth. You can go back and look at it. You can go back and search those reports as well if you want. Well, they brought in Rob Gronkowski. Well, Rob was hurt a good deal of the season off and on, and Rob actually wasn't good until the Super Bowl. You can go back and check that as well. Well, they brought in Antonio Brown. Well, Antonio Brown served suspension. Antonio Brown was non-existent. Maybe one catch for three or four games. So you bring in those additions, they didn't help. You take away those three big additions that everybody wants to lean on that they brought in, and it was the exact same team, Chris Godwin, Mike Mike Evans, uh, uh, Scotty Miller, all, all these guys, and the same defense as Jameis Winston had, and they were able to win, right? And that should be telling. Yes, I know it's almost unfair to compare him to who some people consider to be the GOAT, but you have to look at that part of the picture. It says, like, hey, we're we're possibly that that position away as well. Unfortunately, it seems like Jameis, just like he was at Tampa Bay, was a hindrance for them. He may be the hindrance for us. When you begin to watch the games, and especially today, you know there's a lot of excitement, especially for uh, for the guys that are professionals and they play as professionals and they always get themselves up. But everybody is is a competitor, and everybody is human being. So when I tell you this, we're for on the team's part. When you begin to watch it today, uh, there didn't didn't look like there was great body language like there had been for the last 10, 15 years. The body language of today's game was about the same time. It was the same body language as back when uh, Brandon Cooks was on the team and there was discord in the te- in the locker room, etc. Uh, that's what it looked like a lot today. I'm hoping that the team isn't lost, like they're not divided, etc. Uh, whether it's via the coaching staff, the coaching calls, or even the quarterback situation. Like, they don't have, like, I heard somebody say today, or I saw somebody say today, yeah, listen, I am impressed with how Jameis has grown as a leader, but his quarterback play in itself it doesn't show that it's grown. And actually, a lot of times it looks like it's regressed. I, I added that part. It just, it just doesn't seem like it has. And you can lose a team as a quarterback that way. And it can affect the whole team. So it doesn't matter how great of a motivational speaker you speaker you are as a quarterback. I know he, he got rid of Eaton W's, etc., and he's starting to become a really good leader there. 
but you also have to lead on the field. And unfortunately, he has not been leading on the field. As a matter of fact, he's been hindering on the field. He's been doing the opposite of leading on the field. And it and it hasn't looked great. It's been frustrating. Uh, and, I, and I will say, partially, we are, as a fan base, a little bit spoiled in a sense. Because we got all those years with Drew. Even the down years were way better than what we're seeing right now. It is what it is on there. But let me say this. This is my pep talk to the fans. It's understandable that everybody's going to get frustrated. But let me tell you this. Uh, some fans have been fans for a really long time. Really long time. Um, let me break this part down real quick, too, because my brother and I were talking about this. Uh, I've, I've seen the, uh, the, the, the phrase coach couches. I'm sorry, couch coaches thrown out a lot lately for people who are in debates are showing their discontent for people uh, saying something negative about the Saints or even dogging the Saints. Uh, let me tell you this. We're all couch coaches. So even those that are being called, those who are calling other people couch coaches, so are you. And I will tell you this. You do not have to be a professional or never have had to been a professional coach in the NFL, a, coach, a head coach in the NFL, to know enough about football to know when somebody is playing poorly or a team is playing poorly. Let me break it down to you like this. If this was like if you even a first time watcher of the Saints or any team, we don't have to use the Saints. Any team comes in and watches a game. They don't know anything about football. They can know it's not good when everybody around is like, oh, come on. Or that going. They know. So, you know, there's some common sense factors there. <laughs> like my brother said, I don't have to be a NASCAR driver to know when I could see a bad driver as well. Right. So there, there's truth with that as well. And, and, and unfortunately, and I, and I said this, I posted this today too. Uh, uh, Saints fans and LSU fans do it too. A lot of the boards that they do there, man, when they get frustration with the team is playing down, uh, they forget about the, the wonderful years and forget that sometimes you got to have down years, right? We all forget it because we just want to keep on winning. It's our competitive nature. It is what it is. Uh, but we, we like to use the, the terms bandwagoners or fair weather fans, etc. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you this. You, like I said, my buddy Carlos, there's only one team that really has a, a ton of fair weather fans, a ton of them, and that's Atlanta. The, the 28-3 Falcons, it really is what it is. Uh, Sports Center, ESPN even did a special on it. They are the biggest fair weather fan base out of all sports, not just pro sports, college sports, all of it. They're the biggest ones. That's they're, they're fair weather. That they're only there if the team is good. That, that, that is what it is. But let me and, and, I, and I brought this to somebody today too. And said, listen, for those of us who've been watching the Saints from all the way back in the day, where people wear bags on their heads going to the game, are uh, that the Saints were so bad that they couldn't sell enough tickets to where we'd be able to watch them here in the state uh, because it was blacked out and you couldn't watch it and having to listen to it on the radio to watching the good years, the decent years with the with the uh, Dome Patrol uh, and, you know, to the down years again, to the good years when Aaron, Aaron Brooks brought it, gets us our, our first playoff uh, victory ever as a franchise to the Aaron Brooks years of like, oh my God, who is this guy? Why is he smiling every time he throws an interception? Uh, those of us that are like that, that have been there, we do earn, we have earned the right 
to not only praise as loud as we want, but also criticize as loud as we want. And that's not a knock on anybody who gets upset about anybody saying anything, but this is true. You do get that right. And it's the same thing as LSU fans. If you've been an LSU fan for a long time, uh, you get that right. You've earned that right. If you're going through the hard times and the good times to praise as loud as you want and to criticize as loud as you want, because it's that's what it is, is you're showing your fanhood. You show that you've actually watched the games when others weren't. When others are like, I just, I'm not going to watch it because they suck, right? No, you watch like picking a scab, like looking underneath the bandaid over and over, hoping it's better, right? You kept watching. That causes you to be a real fan. And listen, I understand you got some people that just get into it with each other, especially in the same uh, fan bases. Uh, a lot of times we're starting to look like the Alabama fans that are screaming for Nick Saban to be fired, as ridiculous as that sounds. Uh, truthfully, that really happens on their on their message boards, believe it or not. And, and on their radio shows, honestly, the people calling that saying that's how insane it is sometimes. But Saints fans get so, we get so emotional, and LSU fans do as well. We get so emotional uh, that when somebody wants to criticize or call out a criticism or something like that, uh, then, then the other person gets upset, and, and and sometimes it's rightfully so. Because listen, if you get on some of the, the message boards, some people, you, you know, we talk about uh, coach, uh, couch coaches. Some people absolutely have no idea what they're talking about. They're just frustrated that we're losing and it looks bad, and they'll just say whatever. And you're like, that's not even what? That don't even make any sense. That's not what the issue is, obviously, right? But just know that there are a lot less couch coaches and bandwagoners for the Saints and for LSU and those of us who are, are, are that fan base and I'll even say this for other fan bases man stop arguing and fighting amongst each other it just makes you look silly bro like I know it gives us an opportunity and I've been I've, I've been guilty of it before too calling people out for stupidity but sometimes we just gotta like stop turning on each other and getting so heated with one another uh and don't don't get me wrong there are sometimes that you got trolls that get into those to those message boards, etc., and are, are disguising themselves, going undercover as LSU or Saints fans, and just so that they could just start <laughs> stirring the, the pot there. But uh, you know, it is what it is. So just enjoy football, enjoy the low times too, because man, we we get to watch football. We waited all year long for football season. It's here. I know it's a little bit frustrating on, on many counts. Man, enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's the greatest thing in the world to be able to watch. Enjoy it. Enjoy each other. Embrace the frustration together. Because you know when you have the low of the lows, then you're going to have the high of the highs again. So that's that's it for this week's episode of Sports Sunday from your favorite podcast, Making the Cut. I am your boy, Mark Couture. See you next time.